0: I'm Jeffrey Schmidt of Down to Earth Landscaping. And I'm Chuck Gillum of Down to Earth Landscaping. We are a premier design build firm in Denver, Colorado. We specialize in landscaping, hardscaping and outdoor living. And we are hardscapers.
1: Welcome to the I Am A Hardscaper series on the How To Hardscape podcast. We sit down and interview a hardscape business owner and do a deep dive on how they became a hardscaper and how they operate their business. And if you need a team of accountants, bookkeepers, or CFO services, reach out to CycleCPA at CycleCPA.com and get $200 off when you mention the How To Hardscape podcast. And we'll talk more about that later in this episode, but for now, let's get into today's episode. All right, Chuck and Jeffrey, let's get started to get to know a little bit more about yourselves, how you got started in the industry, what brought you to today, however you want to start this. I'll just give you guys the ball and let us know how you got be
0: started in the industry. Yeah, so I guess we'll kind of take it back to the very beginning. Um, when I was going to school out here, Jeff and I were waiting tables at the Melting Pot, which is a, a local fondue restaurant, and we ke- became good friends there. Um, shortly after that, we both kind of went on our own journeys, but stayed friends. And uh, we were kind of, you know, in and out of some different jobs. We weren't too stoked about those jobs. And uh, one day we were like, how can we make some extra money? And so that was like, I think the, the fall of 2011
2: or something. Yeah. And, I, think, uh, I think that you and I were were sitting on the couch or something <laughs> in his living room and it was like, Chuck approached me and he said, hey, how can, we make, how can we make a little bit extra money? And at that time, he was raking leaves. So I was like, all right, well, why don't we just keep this going and we'll just keep raking leaves up? And, and that's what we did. And we, we threw the bags of leaves in the back of our, our SUV and hauled them to the dump until, I don't know, maybe a couple months later, I I'd reached out to my dad and, and he has a, a landscape maintenance business uh, in Arizona. And that kind of um, sparked some interest with my dad, and he was more than happy to kind of help help us get started. So he kind of gathered some of his old maintenance tools and uh, old mower and a couple old rakes and a weed whacker and a blower and a trailer, and pretty much from there, Chuck and I geared up and said, "Yeah, we're going to go for this." And 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 we headed to Arizona, and we we picked up a trailer full of tools and drove them what is a thousand miles back to Colorado? And, and um, the next was all history. We started our maintenance business from there and pretty much knocked door to door from one house to the next to build our clientele and putting flyers in everybody's door. And, and uh, that's kind of the very bare bones of how we got started. Yeah. That was like, we were both kind of working our full-time jobs
0: and doing that on the side and I think at one point Jeff ended up quitting his job and, and going full time into down to earth. And then, um, I was working another job and a couple months later, I actually got let go and I called Jeff on a Thursday and said, Hey, I got let go. I'm, I'm coming on board tomorrow, full time. Let's do this. And, uh, ever since then, you know, we haven't looked back. So what, what time, uh, line was this, what
1: was the year that you guys kind of started this maintenance business? And then, uh, to that point where you got let go and, and came on full time there.
0: Yeah. So I think we started, you know, having this conversation, you know, how we can make some extra money fall of 2011 or something like that. Um, by spring of 2012, the next year we had raked enough leaves and we, you know, had the tools and the equipment to, to run a small maintenance operation. And we said, Hey, let's do this. So I think uh, spring of 2012 was the start of down to earth landscaping. Um, and from there, you know, we started out doing a little bit of everything we were knocking on doors like Jeffrey said and uh, we were offering maintenance services you know other seasonal services like sprinkler startups and blowouts and aerations and a little bit of landscaping here or there and just slowly like started to learn you know everything about landscaping as a whole and uh, we did that for oh man probably six or seven years yeah. um, just kind of doing a little bit of everything we have. A couple of days every week where we would do maintenance, a couple of days where we would do landscaping. And then it got to a point where we had so many maintenance clients. We had two maintenance crews. Um, we had two maintenance crews going at one point, and it was great. Jeff and I could do all of the landscaping. We could do all of the hardscaping projects that we had, and we had these two maintenance crews that would take care of all of our maintenance accounts. But it got to a point where we were just touching so many jobs and so many properties every week. We weren't investing enough into our employees and training them well enough that we
2: it was just becoming such a headache. Yeah, or equipment too. At that time, we were kind of very money conscious in a way, and we still are, but uh, we were very concerned about dropping $1,400 on a, on a brand new Toro push mower or a walk-behind mower, so we bought it used for half the price. and we paid our, we paid our price on that. Cause I mean, it broke down probably more than <laughs> it actually worked, but um, you know, you think you need all these glitz and glam and nice tools and toys, but um, you know, we were, we were just kind of scraping the bottom of the barrel to try to make things work um, buying equipment when we had the money type of thing. And so going door to door,
1: did you find that you were actually uh, getting a lot of success in the areas that you were going to, did you have a strategy when it came to door to door or was this just kind of just like uh Throwing a dart and hoping that it lands on something.
0: Yeah, that was pretty much it. We didn't look at (laughs) strategy. We both lived like right in the heart of the city. So our our business really grew up in the city. And um, so in a very urban environment. So there was a lot of doors to knock on. And uh, we made little flyers and had our name and our numbers and the services that we offered. And we knocked on doors. We had as many conversations with folks as we could. And then when we didn't, we would just drop off the flyers. And we had pretty good success. Like we had, you know, a couple of days of maintenance pretty close to where we were located. So for the first couple of years, it it did work out. Nice. And then so how does
1: the ball get rolling from there where you kind of you've got maintenance uh, accounts and then you're taking on also landscaping and then hardscaping? How does that kind of progress? And where do you get the continuing the continual knowledge to be able to
0: expand the services that you have? Yeah, I'm more of a builder. And so I wanted to build things. I kind of grew up in the trades. My dad's a contractor. So I wanted to build things. Maintenance was great. It was, it was good, um, you know, continual cash flow. Uh, but I wanted to build things. And so slowly we just started getting a few landscapes here and there. And uh, our maintenance clients, we had jobs through those leads. And then we posted ads on Craigslist and, you know, other sites where we would offer more like landscaping type services. And so naturally, just kind of flowed into us getting a few more landscape hardscape jobs. We would do that a couple days a week, and then do maintenance a couple days a week too. Okay, so I have to ask, how do you two work
1: together? How does how has this evolved over the years in terms of, uh, you know, you guys have certain things that you do in the business. How have you decided that? Has there been ever? Any, uh, any times that you kind of disagreed on things and how do you go about that? Let's get into this kind of uh, working together questions here, Uh, starting with uh, however you want to take that question there, I
2: guess. Sure. Well, um, when we first started, you know, Chuck and I, we just wanted to be hands-on everything. Like we did everything together, every estimate we went to together, um, every job we did together. So in a way that was very beneficial because we learned each other's styles. We learned each other's process. We learned what works best for each other. So over the first, I don't know, that was probably the first six years of business. We did literally everything together um, from, from the meeting of the first meeting to the the final payment. You know, we, we were on the job a hundred percent together. And then just recently, since we've rebranded um, we kind of, divided up the roles as well. So Chuck is doing all of our sales administration. Um, I'll let you lead on to that. Sorry, bro.
0: <laughs> yeah. You know, business development, um, sales, estimating all the behind the scenes stuff, all the HR stuff, you know, as we grow, there's a lot more of that, that, that kind of builds up. We really got to a point where, you know, we weren't making much headway in, in growing the business because we were doing everything together. And so with rebranding, you know, kind of restructuring our roles, we split roles and those seven years of learning how we each operate, now we're able to, we, we've split roles. And so we've really able, been able to um, figure out where we can utilize our strengths. And, you know, sometimes I see the bigger picture side of things and, you know, have those great relationships with folks. Jeff is very task oriented. And puts his head down and gets the job done, and so we work really, really well together. I see, I see big picture, and Jeff brings me back down. And so, ever since we've split roles, we have you know grown tremendously, um, and it's it's really shown in our business, you know, us being able to utilize the, the skill sets that we each have.
1: So, when it comes to having a disagreement, how do you go about uh, you know juggling each other's expectations of uh, you know, being in business together. How do you have a process to go about that?
2: Uh, how do you go about it? I think it's a a little bit more about understanding. Um, Chuck and I are both on the same page. The bigger picture is to support ourselves, our family and our team. So if it's going to meet and, and hit one of those criteria, then it's probably going to be an okay decision on both ends. So A lot of decisions don't even need to be talked about because it's all for the better of the business and ourselves. So I trust in Chuck and I know he trusts in me. So that allows us to make decisions on the fly. So there's not a whole lot of kickback back and forth. Um, We've had very few decisions that we really strongly disagree on. And honestly, when I say that, I I don't know that there's really one that we've strongly disagreed (laughs) on that we've pushed against each other hard enough to not make it work, but, I think typically we always um, value each other's opinion and and listen to what they have to say, and then you know if if again if it ultimately helps our business and helps our team succeed, then that is a successful move, and and it's not going to put us out of business whatever we choose to do. So if it doesn't work out, we'll move on to the next uh, the next idea. Yeah,
0: communication. You know that's the biggest thing. Before all this started, you know Jeff and I were best friends, and So that's what all of this goes back to, you know, respecting each other as human beings, as best friends, respecting each other's families. So now that we have split roles, now every decision that we make is not necessarily communicated back and forth, but there's a general understanding of, yes, this is going to benefit us as a business. Therefore, it's going to benefit you and your family. And so there's just that general understanding, you know, and and being best friends before this, uh, I think really helps too because it really helped us understand like what we're trying to get out of life and what we're trying to achieve in this life more than just this business. Definitely.
1: Uh, one decision you would have had to make together would be rebranding. And you've mentioned that a couple of times. Uh, speaking of your logo and the colors you've chosen, uh, I-, I love them. Like I-, I think that the the two colors go so well together. The logo is uh, one of my favorites in the industry. If I'm being honest, uh, how, How did you decide to uh, both together decide to go through that rebranding process what was the process of rebranding was it a difficult decision to make
0: uh talk us through this rebranding decision yeah and thanks by the way um we put a lot of time and energy into you know building our brand which therefore is our culture as a business and uh we get a lot of compliments and that's really endearing, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's really cool to hear other people in this industry, their feedback. Um, we got to a point, I think in 2019 and we were still doing everything together. We were still doing maintenance. We were still doing a little bit of everything. I think that's when we really first got introduced to social media. Um, and that really sparked something in us to do more than just maintenance and do more than, what we were doing. Nothing against maintenance at all. Some people have it really dialed in. We did not. And so it was much more of a headache than it was anything else. And we started seeing some of these projects. And like I said, I'm a builder and um, and, and Jeff is the same way. And so we wanted to, you know, be building these awesome outdoor living spaces for people to enjoy, you know, rather than just maintaining their yards. And uh, so with that, our old logo had like a big pair of loppers in it. And so we wanted folks to see our brand, to know what we do. And that being a premier outdoor living company. And with that shift in focus of what we wanted to do on the business side of things, the brand, the, the logo was lacking. And so a a really good friend of ours is a top notch graphic designer. So we reached out to him and said, hey, you know, we're interested in in rebranding. We're interested in shifting our focus as a business. How can you help us? And he was like, oh, where do we start? And so we talked to him and uh, he came up with, I think, two or three different themes of down-to-earth brand and what we have settled on um, is exactly what we had hoped for. And this was like the winter of 2019, 2020. So the the market was still good, but it was pre-COVID. And so we were all in. We spent a bunch of money in the rebranding effort. That's when Jeff and I decided to split roles. And we put all this time and energy into really dialing in the brand and what we wanted to represent us. And that's how we got to where we're at right now.
2: You want to touch on that? No, I think you nailed it. I mean, that's pretty accurate. And I guess that was a challenge to come up with, with the brand that we've selected, but, um, we trusted in, in the, the individual we put it, put it in hands with and he took good care of us and, um, yeah. And he, he's just going to continue creating nice content for us moving forward. I mean, he, he, he designed our trailer wrap. Um, I'm sure he's going to do our trucks. So, Um yeah, it'll be a continuous thing, but you know, we're very, very grateful and, and and um happy with the way the logo turned out. Yeah, and it's kind of
0: interesting to see how how it's
2: transformed, you know. We've always been down to
0: earth landscaping, right? And we still are, but the way that he set up our brand is now we're kind of known as like DTE, which is great. And I and I know uh Chad mentioned this, Chad at NDL. He mentioned this the other day, you know, people like abbreviations. It's easier to say, um, and it really goes well with our specific branding that we have across our social media, across our, our trucks and trailers, our website, everything. So it's really interesting to see how that's kind of shifted from down to earth to DTE landscaping, which has been great. Very clean.
1: And it goes well with the logo too.
0: Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Uh, going on with, uh, the way you started your business and transferring to where you are today, you mentioned going door to door to start off the business, kick it off. Uh, obviously now in your business, your leads are likely coming from elsewhere. Uh, can you talk a little bit about today in your business, where are your leads mostly coming from? Uh, and, and yeah, we'll just get started with that. How, how do you find the majority of your leads or at least the quality leads are coming from to
0: you in your business? Yeah, going back to the brand, you know, in all honesty, we created the brand right before COVID hit and then that all happened. So we were really nervous what was going to progress over the next couple of years. But really what stood out more than anything is the brand. And um, a lot of our leads are referrals or word of mouth. At this point, we're not really doing any marketing or advertising beyond social media. And it's worked out really well. Um, you know, our SEO is really on point. Our website's really good. There's actually a couple other down to earths in this area and we get most of their calls, um, (laughs) which is kind of funny. (laughs) People search down to earth and we always come up. So that's been really, really helpful for us. Um, you know, the brand and, and word of mouth, we've got awesome, awesome clients. You know, we advertise and market and branded ourselves as a premier company throughout the whole entire installation process we're that, and that gives our clients, you know, a lot of good things to say about us to other folks.
1: Do you guys find that uh, investing the time into say something like Instagram has really helped? Uh, have you found that clients are starting to reach out to you on Instagram? Like what traction have you found with Instagram for you?
2: Um, I think our main traction uh, that we've gotten from Instagram is just general questions uh, about our industry. Which has been really cool. We don't typically generate a ton of leads um, for jobs. Here and there we get a couple, but that's not necessarily our main focus. Uh, it's kind of uh, helping our, our network of people, helping the community if they have questions, hoping that we can answer those questions and educate others on products that we're using because we are always trying to use the utmost and newest uh, products on all of our installations. So people generally have questions. And I think. That's our favorite part about social media in a way is, is networking with others, uh, asking questions when we have questions, um, and then being able to answer questions when we have those answers. Um, but, you know, a lot of, a lot of social media has, has helped us in a way of, uh, that, I don't know, asking questions whenever we have them, installation techniques, uh, why someone does something very, very subtle, and it just, it makes all the difference when you can get, you can get that feedback right away. Yeah. Yeah. We've never really hesitated
0: in asking questions to other folks in the industry. You know, we might not be as upfront about certain things, but we've reached out to a lot of folks and gotten a lot of good feedback for why they install the certain way that they do, equipment that they use, you know, and most notably, like just flat out inspiration, you know, seeing what people do is more inspiring than I think just about anything.
1: Yeah. No, I totally agree. The community is incredible on Instagram and coming into it. I had no idea. And it's uh, pretty amazing what's out there.
0: Yeah, it's really neat. Like so many folks are very open to discussing, you know, why they do those things, why they have certain equipment, why they uh, believe in debt versus no debt. You know, everybody has different theories and a lot of them are open to talk about it, which is really, really awesome. And we want to be right there with those people, you know. A lot of, like Jeffrey said, like a lot of guys ask us, why do we use Gator Base or why do we do certain things? And it's really cool to kind of give them insight because our region is different from other people's regions. And the materials that we get are different than, you know, materials that people get in other areas. So it's always, you know, cool to get feedback and just see why people are doing the things that they're doing. With, uh, say somebody contacts your business,
1: whether that's through email, phone call, uh, even on social media. How is that handled from there? Does, do you both have uh, a business line? Does it contact one of you guys? And where does that process get started when you speak with a client?
0: Yeah, we both get calls still. You know, we've both been the face of this company for since day one. So we both get a lot of leads. Now we've gotten to a point where we really try to direct people to our website. Our website has a great uh, contact us page. We get all of their information, what they're looking to do, their budget. And then from there, we can reach out to them. Um, We usually set up a discovery call, chat with them on the phone, kind of just get some more information, see if their budget was realistic from what they put on the website. And then kind of go about the next steps, whether that's uh, a consultation or whether that's moving forward with the design.
1: Absolutely. What kind of questions, are you asking before you move forward with a consultation to ensure that you're not going out there and wasting your time and the client, the potential client's time
0: uh-huh. there, you know, there are several like key questions to ask, you know, um, budget being at the top of that list. Hey, what are, what are you willing to spend? You know, if they say, I'm uh, not really too sure. Well, does this amount scare you? No. Okay. Well then that gives us a little bit better idea. What's your timing on doing the job? Um, you know, obviously if they're trying to get this project done yesterday and we're booked out until September, you know, it's probably not going to work. Uh, are you shopping? You know, are you, are you getting prices from other contractors? You know, and if so, like, what are you looking to get from us that you weren't getting from everybody else? Um, what are you looking for us to separate from all of the other folks? Um, You know, where do you live? Just kind of generic questions like that. I think the more conversation that you have, the more questions that you ask, you're naturally going to get more out of people. You know, people love to talk about themselves, their projects, their homes, all the things. And you'll get a lot of insight to whether they're just kicking the tires, whether they're shopping the price, whether they are calling us for a very specific reason, you know, Um, I think all those questions kind of lead to a general understanding of, of where they're coming from and what they're looking to do. So earlier you mentioned that in the beginning, you both
1: went to every estimate, every consultation. Do you still do that today? (laughs) No, no, no,
2: No, we, we, again, we divide and conquer. So there's uh, more value in me in the field and running operations. And there's way more value in Chuck being a, a, you know, FaceTime with the customer and selling jobs.
1: I just want to take a break from today's episode to talk about our sponsor, Cycle CPA. You may have a CRM or project management software in place, but what data are you using to ensure your estimating is accurate? Having a proper accounting setup and accurate bookkeeping done is key to understanding overhead expenses and other costs that must be recouped in your estimates. CycleCPA is a remote bookkeeping and CFO firm that helps to connect the dots from the financial reports to the hardscape and landscape data needed in order to reach high profits. They provide landscape and hardscape industry benchmarking, job costing financials by service line, advisory meetings, and much more. CycleCPA's team of accountants are specialized within the hardscape and landscape industry And you can visit them at CycleCPA.com. And for $200 off, mention the How to Hardscape podcast. Now back to our episode. And when it comes to going ahead with a consultation, do you charge
0: for that consultation? Yes or no? And why or why not? Yeah, this is something that uh, we just kind of started doing over the last year, year and a half. We are charging for consultations. After we get a lead, we'll set up a discovery call, go through that whole um, process and then kind of determine our next steps. So from there, if someone's looking for a full remodel, a full backyard rehaul, then we'll typically, the next step will be a design consultation. And that is including the design fees. We get them set up with the appropriate designer who's gonna be the best fit for the style that they're looking for. Or, you know, if they're kind of just looking, Hey, I've got a a beautiful backyard, but I just need a patio and a retaining wall. Then we'll go out and do a consultation. And sometimes from there, they determine, yeah, you know, we need a design in place. It'd be good to visualize this whole concept. So then we'll kind of move into the design phase part of things. Um, But yeah, we charge for a, a consultation fee and you know, like a lot of people we we provide a lot of value being in this industry for as long as we have having the knowledge that we have that hour that we can spend at someone's property going through their project talking about materials talking about functionality there's grades. a lot of
2: <laughs> what's that grades you know things that they don't think about yep. that other contractors might not think about like just all the nuances of the business we cover it all before, you know, that's all part of the consultation. And that's what Chuck is, is trying to explain. Like he covers all of those things when he sees a, a customer on a, on a site visit. Yeah, there's so much that we can provide to them. Um, you know,
0: we try to give them as much information that they need if they were to install the project themselves. If nothing else, go to the next contractor and be like, hey, these guys said that we should do this because of your... Your layout, whatever, um, <clears throat> at least gives them an idea of what they can and cannot do based off of their ideas. And functionality is is so key. You know, some people might want just a big old yard uh, for their kids to play on, but they might not have very good. Um, they don't, might not be able to see what's going on. So making sure that there are areas where they can visualize everything, where they can hang out, where they can really have an experience. Outside, absolutely.
1: So, when it comes to meeting with that client and in uh, going through the design, what kind of questions do you t- do you ask the client in that consultation to understand uh, what what you might uh, pr- what solutions you might provide them
0: for that functionality and for what they're looking for in their space? The first question that 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 we typically ask is like, "What are you looking to do with the space?" That's usually a pretty good segue to what they want to do what their kids want to do how they want to use the space how they're going to be entertaining how many people they're going to be entertaining uh, and if they don't touch on all those things those are all really good questions you know do you like to sit by a table when you're socializing do you like to sit by a fire pit would you rather have a putting green where you can be active and have conversation do you want to have all of these things You know, like seeing where people like to spend their time, how they spend their time, um, you know, and a lot of the times it comes down to the kids. You know, how are the kids going to use this space? What what are they going to use it for in two, three, five years? So just making sure that this can be a sustainable space for them for as long as they're going to be in the house. And then, so the client wants to go ahead with that project. Do you have specific payment plans for
1: your business? Does it differ from project to project in terms of what you're taking up front for
0: the deposit and then final payment and any payments in between? We do a a four draw system. um, And we started to implement that ever since we've kind of gotten, you know, larger scale projects before when we had smaller projects, you know, five or $10,000 or less, we would just do 50% up front and 50% when we're done. Usually we could get in and out in a few days or a week, and we could get paid. So there wasn't really too much of an issue there. Now that we've moved into some bigger projects that span, you know, four, six, eight weeks, um, we do the draw system, and we do 25% as a deposit to hold your spot on the schedule. Um, we can talk about the list in here in a little bit, but 25% deposit gets you on the schedule. We take another 25% on day one and 25% once we're halfway through the project. And then the remaining balance, if there's any change orders, anything like that, we will collect once we're 100% done with the project. And that's been really good for us, especially this winter. Uh, This is the first winter that we've worked full time with uh, a full team. So it's really helped out uh, this year because there's a lot that you can't do in the winter here in Colorado. Um, and so, you know, we'll get, we'll get to the job. We'll get 75% done with the job, but then we, we can't plant until the spring or we can't finish up the irrigation, um, you know, or the polysand on some jobs just depending on weather. So we want to make sure that, you know, there's only 25% that we're holding on to versus 50%. You know, having that big hit where we're in the hole on that project with materials and labor, and we just need to go back and plant some plants to collect the rest. So we try to spread it out as much as possible. Usually customers like that too. It helps them out a little bit um, on these bigger scale projects and they can, you know, spread these payments out over, you know, several months. Mm -hmm.
1: And then I like to ask everybody that comes on the show for a story that uh, didn't quite go their way, a horror story you've experienced in your time in business. Uh, I like to ask this just to help those listening, just getting started to understand that things can go wrong and just to help them understand uh, ways that they can help prevent it or just be prepared for something that could go wrong. Do you guys have a horror story in <laughs> business that you'd want to share with
2: us? Well, If, if, if somebody tells you they don't, they'd be lying. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah we have one that we'd be happy to share with you um i was actually on vacation at the time so i'll let chuck kind of explain what happened since (laughs) he took the lead (laughs) but it's on me huh yeah Uh, yeah
0: so we were rocking and rolling this is probably four years ago and we had a lot of landscape projects we're still doing maintenance we really didn't have everything dialed in and i took a call um I took a text and someone said, Hey, can you do this project? And I said, yeah, great. Send me the address. I'll go look at it. Let me know what you're looking to do. And it turned out to be a scam. And so we went to the job, we started to do the installation and uh, it was, it was a total scam. They were like, Hey, you know, we're going to have our plumber uh, stub out the, the water line for you guys to do the irrigation system or something silly like that. And I was way over my head with what was going on at that time. And um, <clears throat> so I said, great. We paid this guy like 2,000 bucks cash or something silly. We go back to the job and it, we're putting in an irrigation system and all new sod. And we got a check. They sent us a check and the, it was a fraudulent check. And so we cashed the check. We're like halfway through this job, cash the check. And uh, they said, hey, there's no funds here. And so we're like, God, what is going on? Call the guy. He's like, Oh, yeah, let me, you know, let me get that figured out right now. Call my bank and never heard from him again. Oh. And we we're in the middle of this project. And this happens a lot. We still get these texts. And what they do is they find houses that are on the market and say, Hey, you know, I'm moving into this house. I need all this work done before I move in. And so we were halfway done with this job. And we were like, We can't just leave this like this because this is someone's actual house. So we installed an all new irrigation system and a brand new, you know, front lawn for these folks. And, uh, thanks to down earth, they got a beautiful new yard. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. That's yeah. That's quite a story. That's, uh, it is. You, you say that happens uh, quite frequently. You get these messages. Yeah. We still get emails and texts like, Hey, I've got this property. This is the address. Can you give me a bid? Can you make this happen tomorrow?
2: Yeah. <laughs>
0: something That's to rough.
2: watch out for something to watch out for
0: yeah that, that is
2: rough uh,
1: it's a difficult one to to swallow for sure but you uh probably made somebody's day there
0: so sure yeah. <laughs> we even called the realtor and we're like hey this is the situation that we're in it's not ideal for any of us sorry about it but we're gonna give you a brand new lawn so i hope this house sells for you <laughs> right right wow <laughs> Yeah, that's, uh, that's quite, a, quite a story there. Uh, turning,
1: turning the conversation in another, probably better direction. Uh, any, any installation practices, tools that you stand by in the job site, uh, anything that really has helped you in this point with your business or continues to help you on the job site, whether that's installation practices, tools, equipment that you live by, whatever you want to get into here with this.
2: Cool, um, well, yeah, there's definitely some practices that we live by. Um, we live by the open graded system. Um, you know, we've, we've done a lot of research over the years, um, asking all the questions, why we do certain uh, installation techniques and open graded has been, has been the, the main thing, you know, using geosynthetic fabrics, uh, separation fabrics, uh, geotextiles. So our patios are very over-engineered um, from the bottom up, you know, compacting the subsoils substo- to your separation fabric to your three-quarter clean, and then you got your 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 geofab or your geotextile, and then your chips, and we even do the geo grid around the around the border. We just you know over-engineer everything, over-build it. We're just really trying to prevent any issues for the customer, which also leads to issues down the road for us. Um, but You know, that's the main thing is just our patio installations uh, as well as our retaining walls. Everything is open graded. Um, That's how we're going to continue doing it moving forward. Um, Gator Base. We love Gator Base. Very innovative product that we have here now in in, in the States is, is Gator Base and Alliance Gator has been, has been very supportive of our business. Uh, their reps have been, have been awesome to us. They come on-site training to our guys. So that's been huge. Um, the product as a whole has been huge in saving us time and energy and excavation. Um, we're able to walk all over our patio before it's even built. So it gets screeded and then we put our gator base down and it's fair game for anybody to walk on. Your screen never gets messed up. So that's a huge one. Um, tons of pros to that as well. Um, when it comes to uh, machines, man, I think Chuck can attest to this. Chuck's the one that really likes to buy the toys and um, I don't mind using them. But, um, <laughs> um, um, everything we've bought from day one has been a game changer for us. Uh, you know, it started with a, a dump trailer and then now we're buying dustless saws and, and And looking into vacuum lifts and whatever's the most efficient way to get a job done. You know, we're essentially trying to save time uh, as well as as, um, the wear and tear on all of our guys as as the main concern. And, you know, we will always invest in our business and whatever tools uh, are going to make us more successful and quicker. Um, But again, the main thing is just to make this as easy as possible on our employees and our team members because. You know this is not an easy industry to be in every item is going to be at least 25 pounds or more so you're always carrying or picking something heavy up so we just do whatever we can to make it as easy as possible because there's not a task that we haven't done in the field and um, you know we want to make sure that we're making it easier for the next guy and like we talked about like our business grew up in the city and so
0: we're used to working in tight access areas So we might only have a 36 inch gate to go through. And so, you know, our first big purchase was a dingo, you know, a little TX525 that we still have and we love it. It's awesome.
2: Yeah. That's probably made us the most money more than anything else in the business. (laughs)
0: Yeah. And that's allowed us to get in and out of those gates without using wheelbarrows. And so, you know, that was huge, you know, getting into mud buggies, again, getting into tight access areas, but also eliminating the use of wheelbarrows uh, the mini excavator to, you know, hopefully eliminate shovels. Yeah. We got, um, a new switch and go truck last year, which, you know, again, we're still trying to learn how to use and be more efficient with, but that's going to completely change the game for us. Once we get more bodies, we're trying to get to a streamlined process where we only have one crew and one truck on a job. And so with these trucks, that's really going to allow us to do that because, Again, parking is something that we run into all the time. You know, we don't have all the space in the world like some folks where they can back their hardscape trailer up right to where they're working. You know, we park and stage all of our stuff on the street and have to get yeah. through gates oftentimes. So for us, machinery is key in, in sustaining this business and sustaining employees. Totally. Yeah, it's interesting to
1: hear that because I'm in this exact same situation. If if we can even get a machine into the backyard sometimes, which is rough, extremely rough. And then you see a lot of guys on, on Instagram with these wide open backyards and they're able to get all this, this machinery in the backyard. And I think I'm in the wrong location uh, for my business when I see that happening. But it's interesting to to hear somebody else's perspective because we actually rarely hear that on this podcast these uh tight access situations and what you do in those situations right in parking parking is huge too yeah.
2: yeah and so it goes with the logistics of it all you know like yeah. those small machines get us to the backyard and the and gator base you know removes a handful of inches of excavation so all those products go hand in hand which is you know really helped us grow in the industry and and be efficient and be effective getting in and out of these downtown denver yards um we're literally walking or working through alleys you know the trucks are parked in the alley and then the then the dump truck comes through and we got to make a loop around you know (laughs) that's how it is
1: yeah absolutely
2: and uh this came up
1: in my mind as you're talking about equipment and purchasing equipment do you guys see eye to eye between each other when it comes to uh debt versus no debt or a comfortable debt level that you are both comfortable with and how did you come up with with what you were comfortable with
0: yeah we 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 have different ideology here and i think that that's definitely what's helped us be as successful as we have up until this point and it's going to help us you know moving forward but I see big things. I like to buy things. You know, I see big picture. I usually see several years down the road. Where Jeff is a little bit more focused of what's going on right in front of us. So he usually, you know, reels my ideas back in a little bit. So for the first eight years in business, we were completely debt free. You know, and it was great. Uh, we didn't have any very minimal overhead. We were working out of a garage, and so we were very conscious of what we were buying. But again, you know, we were doing a lot of maintenance. So yeah, there's mowers and and string trimmers and blowers and stuff like that, but that's like a necessity. Where we're at now, a lot of these tools and equipment that we have, not necessarily a necessity, but it's definitely helping our efficiency and helping our employee retainment, all of those things. Um, So I'm like, yeah, buy, buy the machine, buy the excavator. The ROI is going to be tremendous. Yes, there might be payments up front. You know, we can get that paid off pretty quickly, though, just because of how much money we'll make with a certain piece of machinery. Um, so overall, our, our thought process there has changed quite a bit ever since we rebranded. We know that if we want to really excel in this business, brand ourselves as a premier company, um, we have had to take on debt. And, th- and that's really helped us leverage the projects that we've gotten the amount of money that we've been able to make on these projects, the efficiency, the amount of clients that we've been able to have, which then leads to more referrals, you know, all those things play into, Hey, should we buy another mud buggy or should we buy another track machine? Whatever. Jeff would probably, you know, say something different. We're, we're, we're pretty much aligned though. You know, everything that we do is very conscious. Um, and there's a lot of research that goes into every purchase that we make. Nothing is really like find something on a whim. Uh, any shout outs that you'd want to give here on this episode,
1: whether that's uh, people online, offline, people that get inspiration from people that you consult with uh, or, or you go to them for consultation, anybody here that you'd want to give a shout
2: out to? Well, the list obviously goes <laughs> on and on because of all the years and experience, but, um, you know, first and foremost, we, we definitely want to thank our families, our wives, and our friends for supporting us through these 10 years in business and helping us grow to where we are today. Um, but, you know, our consultant has been a huge, tremendous help for us. And uh, his name is George. He helped us get our, um, our estimating software up, you know, and we utilized him over the last two years. And he was part of our trip to Canada. Um, just to get some more continued education Um, yourself, you know, you're, you're constantly pushing the industry, pushing the envelope, teaching us so much as well, listening to all your interviews. So that has been, you know, a huge help for us. Um, And then I guess your usual
0: suspects like, yeah, I mean social media changed the game for us as a whole. And um, so many people have been so grateful, you know uh, and, and helpful to us along the way. Um, where do we even start? <laughs> uh, you know, Andy Mulder and Caleb Allman, Jeremy swyhart like those are the guys that, you know, the usual suspects, they're very open upfront with what they're doing more than happy to answer any questions. So they've been really cool to, uh, to get to know over social media. We met a lot of these guys at H this year, which was really neat. Um, Jordan at evolve, um, good friend Evan at Pride Hardscape, Josh Sutton, Craig Scheller, uh, John at Signature Outdoor, um, Richard at RC. And then, you know, we get so much inspiration. Like I was saying earlier, like it's been great to build this community and to build this network of, of folks around the country because everybody does things a little bit differently. And a lot of it is region specific, but so much of it is just inspiration flat out. Like, Hey, it's really cool to incorporate, you know, this flagstone path into a paver patio that you have. So, you know, guys like Dan Wasson and, um, you know, Dan Preston, Matt Heiner, a lot of those guys provide so much inspiration, whether they know it or not, (laughs) you know, we might say, Hey, it looks awesome or whatever. Um, but everybody that puts something out there is inspiring in, in some way, you know, And at the end of the day, like, that's kind of what we want to do too. Like we want to be there. We want to be a resource for anybody that has any questions. Um, Jeffrey has been in charge of our social media and, you know, putting together the reels and, and doing all of our posts and stuff. And it's getting so much good interaction just with people that are in the industry, people that are just homeowners, and they just like to follow along because we're so open with what we're doing. and, and, You know, there's not a lot of folks in Colorado either that are um, as out there as as we are. So a lot of people like to see what's going on in Colorado. You know, it's a very different region than a lot of places. So we do things differently. Our materials are different. Um, But social media as a whole has completely changed the game for us, and we're so thankful for all the people that answer our questions and. yeah you know
2: and the the questions that will continue to come and and the more relationships we're going to continue to grow with but uh we look forward to meeting all these guys again and and continuing the relationships with our distributors and you know all that stuff it's just full circle
0: yeah and you know some people have kind of coined a lot of this as like the heartscape brotherhood and you know i don't know that we're we're there but it's cool to be included in the conversation you know because at the end of the day like You know, Jeff and I have built an awesome community where we're at locally, but to think that, you know, we've been able to connect and learn so much from folks all around the country and, you know, all around the world, um, you know, has been really cool because there's people in other countries too, that, you know, provide inspiration for us, which is awesome. Um, and, you know, I got to give a shout out. There's a couple of local folks, um, our good friends, Shane and Heath at art of the yard, you know, they are incredible water feature artisans they've been kind of, you know, became like local mentors to us over the last year or so. And, uh, we, you know, have lunch with them and chat with them. Uh, we've got some cool content coming up. We're going to have a buggy race. So, <laughs> so keep an eye out for that. But, um, Dave and Karat Summit Outdoor, you know, some local folks that we can really get some good insight to why they're doing the things that they're doing. And, um, it really helps push us to, you know, be better every day because at the end of the day, like that's kind of our goal is, you know, be better than you were yesterday. If we can continually grow and learn from all the things that we're doing, uh, we're going to be better than we were yesterday. And, and that's a step in the right direction. Absolutely,
1: guys. As we bring this uh, interview to a close here, I've got one last question for the two of you whether the two of you want to uh present one answer each or uh, answer together for uh with for this question is up to you but what is one thing that you know now that you wish you knew from the very beginning whether that's business related personal related whatever that might be but what's that one thing you know now that you wish you knew from the very beginning
2: um i would say the for me the one thing that i know now that i wish we would have done sooner was invest more time in ourselves and our education. Um, We definitely did that throughout the whole process, but once we found our consultant and once we found people that are willing to help us grow and build and be better than, than we were the last day, like better than yesterday, those people have really pushed us to, to be the next step of a landscaper that next level landscaper. So I would say invest in yourself, invest in your education, Um, you know, get that knowledge and training before you go out there and try to do something incorrectly, ask the questions, build your community, and invest in yourself. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, you
0: know, I'll offer a different insight. I would say the implementation of estimating software that we did, and that was just last year, but that has completely changed the game for us. Knowing our numbers, making sure that we're accounting for every single thing that we use on a job site on a day-to-day basis. And you know, making sure that we're, we're estimating properly more so than just kind of inputting numbers into QuickBooks. That has really changed the game for us. We've been able to set our budget, set our profit margins. We can have goals. Uh, a lot of this stuff is more quantitative now. So we can reflect on what we've been doing and learn from any mistakes that we made and you know make sure that we're not making that same mistake twice yeah. but estimating software has been huge huge yeah it definitely increased our prices quite a bit but <laughs> uh, at least we're accounting for everything now yeah. we're doing things the right way that we feel like um our system is is really really dialed
2: in so we don't miss a lot on the estimating side of things yeah. so again invest in your understanding on the business yeah you know, and and just the business as a whole. Um, Yeah, you can figure it out along the way, but you're going to get a lot further, a lot quicker uh, if you take a couple of those steps.
0: Yeah. Take all the trainings that are out there. Every manufacturer offers trainings. You have awesome training on how to hardscape. You know, all of those things that you can do to elevate yourself and elevate your business are going to pay huge dividends for you in the long run. And yes, it's a time and money investment up front. You might not be able to get as much work done in that moment. But in the long run, all of those things are going to come back to you. You We're 10 years into this and we're not pros by any means. We're still learning every day. But that 10 years of continually learning and continually growing ourselves um, is really starting to pay dividends now. And we're just going to continue to build off that. Amazing.
1: Great insight, guys. Uh, Where can our audience go to find out more about the two
0: of you, what you've got going on over there? Yeah, check out our website, uh, DTELandscaping.co, uh, and our Instagram. Jeffrey does a phenomenal job on our Instagram, DTE Co on Instagram. Uh, you know, don't hesitate to to reach out to us with any questions. We're more than happy to help out. We've gotten so much guidance through the years. Uh, we want to kind of pay it forward. So um, check out our Instagram. That's where that's where most of our our good info and our day to day is guys. Thanks so much for your time, Mike. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you very much, Mike.
1: Thank you for listening to today's podcast episode. Go check out Chuck and Jeffrey at DTE Landscaping Co on Instagram. Give them some love for coming on the show and sharing their stories here. And we'd love it if you subscribe to our podcast, left us a rating and review and check out cycle CPA at cyclecpa.com. Mention the How to Hardscape podcast and get $200 off bookkeeping, accounting, or CFO services that they offer over there. And thank them for sponsoring the How to Hardscape podcast for bringing you today's episode and many others. We look forward to meeting with you next week on the How to Hardscape podcast.